Good morning, church. God is good all the time. All right, some of you have been in church for a while. I love it. Some of you are like, I don't know, what are you, what are you doing right now? Oh, God is good. It's so good. It's so good to just be in the presence of the Lord together as a body of Christ. Amen. To come into a place where we can freely worship Him and fellowship with one another. And man, I am so excited about what God is doing here at Abundant Life. And uh, He's doing lots of amazing things. And I'm looking forward to, uh, we've got a Freedom in Christ class that's starting up tomorrow. So good. We've got a marriage class starting up. We've got a men's class going, a women's class going. There are so many places. If you are here at this church and you're just saying, I just don't feel like I grow here, that's on you. Uh, because <laughs> we're giving you lots of opportunities. Our personal walk is our personal responsibility. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that? So my, my goal on a Sunday is to, to bring you to the buffet and to dish up some stuff. And then during the week, you, you got to still eat, right? So get in the Word during the week. But we're going to get into the Word today. Before we do that, uh, my wife asked me to give an update on the building project because, and I realized I should because everybody's asking me individually. And so I should just like, <laughs> just do it all at once. So here's where we're at. And, and people want to know, what does this mean? What does this mean that we won the hearing and that we get the variance? Well, what it means is that we can get back on the path. See, it was a detour. <laughs> Ever been on a detour before? Okay, so this was like a, at least a 10-month detour, probably longer. Okay, so, so we've been working through all this stuff with our plans, and our, we have three different pieces in play at the moment. We have a civil engineer, and they do the site plan. They do all the dirt stuff. And then you have an architect, and they do blueprints, and then you have a structural engineer, and they make the building not fall down when you build it. They design it, okay? And so um, we, we didn't... We haven't done any structural engineering because uh, if, we would, if we were going to have to change what you call the footprint of the building, it would cost a lot of money. You wouldn't believe how much money it costs to just move a handful of two-by-fours on a design. It's a lot okay, because everything is spec'd out. And so we've got in touch with our uh, civil engineer who's doing the site plan. He's reached out to the city to find out what else they need to have us permit ready for the, uh, for the site. And then tomorrow, I meet with the architect to make sure that our floor layout and our plans are exactly how we wanted them to be. And then we, we're getting some bids, and it'll get passed to a structural engineer to get that done. Once those two, those two pieces are done, then we can start looking at bidding and budget. Oh, budgets. How fun. So the question is, how much is this thing going to cost? Well, contractors need plans to answer that question. And so we got to work through our plans to get our budgets. After budgets, then you have to raise money so that you can actually build and get loans. So, so that doesn't mean we're going to, just because we won the thing that we build next week, okay? But it's, we're back on the path. We've, we've finally got back on the main road. It's been a detour. We're on the main road. And we are moving forward. I want you to know that we are moving forward. And so um, hopefully in the next two to three months, we'll have our plans done and all of that ready. And then we might, and, and I don't know, we've got to meet with our team, but we might just go in and put a permit in, even if we're not ready and we don't have the financing, which I know seems silly. But we want to vest this project so that they can't change anything else. Okay? And you can always extend permits. So 
this kind of the process that we're going through right now. I'm not a contractor, I'm not a builder, I am not a designer, but I've had to become a specialist and get people around me that are. And so uh, we're working through it. But that's kind of the process and the road that we're on right now. So in the next few months, as we start to know numbers, we know what it's going to cost. We're going to know what our groundbreaking goal is and all that kind of thing. And we can begin to rally. In the meantime, um, I would ask you to pray for progress and advancement. The second thing I'm going to ask you to pray, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because uh, as it's tax season, some of you get returns. Maybe pray and say, Lord, would you have me seed some money into this project? And uh, we have a building fund you can seed money into. Uh, We've had people that have been giving monthly for maybe eight years. Uh, and you can seed into our all-in building project. And if that's something that is on your heart and you want to invest above and beyond your giving, uh, then we would welcome that because we have some ways to go. Um, we've made a lot of progress in saving for this project, a lot of progress, but we still have a little ways to go. So that's the update. Hopefully that answers most of your questions. Uh, if you have more questions than that, uh, Jim Burbridge will be glad to answer them for you. <laughs> Or Chuck Sunsmell. I don't know. I didn't see Chuck. Is he here today? Uh, anyway, there we go. Well, let's, let's get into the word. So uh, speaking of detours, that's what I want to talk to you about today is divine detours. Uh, our theme for this year is contend. We need to contend. Would you just tell someone around you, it's time to contend. Jude 1.3 says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Last week, we began this book of Philippians study that we're in, and we'll be studying over the next few months. And Paul mentions in, in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 4, he says this statement, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so over these next couple weeks, we're actually going to take a step back in time and take a look at this first day. When I study a book of the Bible, I like to have the context. I like to know the foundation. I like to know the history. And so I'm going to share that with you over these next couple weeks. We're going to look at the first day that he talked about, and we pick up in Acts chapter 16. So you can turn to Acts 16 in your Bibles if you're using the church app, which is Abundant Life Ording. If you don't have that, you can download that. We've got sermon notes on there, and you can follow along on the text as well in there. But in Acts 16, verse 6, we pick up a little bit into Paul's second missionary journey. So the Apostle Paul, uh, have you heard of the Apostle Paul before? Anyone heard of him? He wrote a lot of the New Testament. His name was Saul. He was Jewish, and he was persecuting the church, and Jesus met him and blinded him and said, what are you doing to my people, right? And he changed his name to Paul, and he was... He started as, a, as one of the um, Pharisee, Sadducee group people, and he was stopping the work. At the time, the church was not called, they weren't called Christians, they were called the way. They were the way, and he was trying to stop the way. He was dragging people and imprisoning people on the authority of the high priests, and then he converted his life, he is turned around, and he began a build, became to be a builder of the church. If you think that there is so much in your life that you have done that God can't use you, look at Paul. He was actively destroying the work of Jesus and became probably the greatest influence on the founding of the church in history. 
God can use you. If you have someone in your life and you say they're too far gone, look at Paul. You are not too far gone. Here's what happens in Acts 16. Let's look at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Why would the Holy Spirit keep someone from preaching the word, huh? Well, we're going to find out. When they came to the border of Maesa, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, also the Holy Spirit, would not allow them to, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us out. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready and at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Let's talk about detours. Do you see some detours in this passage of scripture? There were several detours that Paul had to work through. And if we choose to contend in the detours of our life, they might actually become divine detours. See, not every detour is a divine detour, but I believe every detour can become a divine detour. That what God would do when we invite him into the detours of his life, when he starts working in the midst of circumstances that we weren't planning on. Anyone got any of those? <laughs> circumstances you weren't planning on. God can work in the midst of those. And the first thing I want you to understand about this text today as we look through this is that God turns detours into destinations. Our God turns detours into destinations. This missionary journey that Paul was on was never supposed to happen the way that it did. Could you imagine when you read about what Paul did and where he went and the churches that began, this missionary journey was never supposed to happen. Did you know that? You see, Paul and Barnabas, they were a team, and they had gone on a missionary journey throughout a region that we're going to look at in a moment, and they had been to this region before, and they got together, and they said, let's go to this region again. And Barnabas came to Paul, and he said, I want to bring John Mark with us. And Paul said, no, I don't like that guy. It's not very Christ-like. And Barnabas said, we got to bring John Mark. And he said, you know what? John Mark ditched us last time we were out. I'm not bringing him. And Barnabas said, fine, I'll take John Mark with me and we'll go on the trip. Paul says, fine, I'll take Silas and we'll go on our own trip. There. See how godly this trip started? It was so good and so godly. Now you might think I'm exaggerating, but if you read Paul and some of his personality, I don't think I am. Even this, then, then Paul makes a new plan. And then as we read, the new plan doesn't go as well as he thought it would either. It was a series of detour after detour. I'm going to put a map up here, and I don't know if you're going to be able to read it well, but we're going to try our best. So Paul and Silas, you, you look at the area of Syria. That's where, they, that's where they begin in that region. And it says in our text that they, they went up to, they headed north through Syria and Cilicia, through the, the purple. Can you guys see that okay up there? Is it big enough? I hope. I think I have it on your app too, if you need it there. 
Now, on this journey as they, they head north, now if you look to the left to Cyprus, that's where Barnabas went with John Mark. That's where they were planning on going in the first place, back on that trip that they had done previously. But Paul heads north, Barnabas heads east, and they go up to Cilicia, and they come up to a town in the region of Galatia at the bottom there, uh, passed through Derby, and then they came to a little town called Lystra. Now, it says here in the text that they ended up, though, as they went on from Lystra, now this is in verses one through six, we're not gonna read all of that. But in Lystra, they came to this, this place, and they met a guy there. And this guy's name was Timothy. Have you heard of Timothy before? Well, we're studying the book of Philippians right now, and in Philippians chapter one, verse one, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So Timothy is the co-author of Philippians that Paul just happened to meet on the first detour heading north in Lystra. Now, Paul planned at this point to minister in Western Asia. So he was going to head east and he was going to go to Asia, was, was his original plan. He wanted to go, but it says that he was kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Western Asia. Now, what is in Western Asia? Does anyone know? This is like the Bible scholar question. This is a tough question. In Western Asia lies the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. So in the book of Revelation are the seven churches. One of those churches is Ephesus. You also have Laodicea, right? And you've got um, Philadelphia. What else do we got? I'm drawing a blank. Pergamum. Okay, so there's a bunch of churches, seven of them. Do you know how many of those churches Paul started? One. Ephesus. The Holy Spirit prevented Paul from going to a region, but the Holy Spirit had it covered. The churches we read about, he didn't need Paul for. He needed Paul somewhere else. And sometimes we think, but God, we need churches in this region. I have to go there. I have to go there. And God says, I've got a detour for you. But God, no one will ever reach them. And yet we read they were all going just fine without his help. Detour. He heads north. And here's how that plays out. He heads all the way up north, and he plans on going to Bithynia, which is at the very top, Bithynia and Pontus. You see, he was headed up that way, and he gets there, and he says, this must be God's new plan. And when he gets there, it says the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, would not allow them to go there either. How frustrated are you on this detour? I mean, I've got this thing planned. Doesn't the Lord know doesn't the Lord know that I already got all my maps ready and I'm good to go? But he gets there and the Lord says, don't go there. Well, they end up in the port city of Troas. So they head east and they go all the way over to the port, which is all the way on the eastern side of Asia. And it was at that port that they were going to get on a boat and they were going to eventually head off to Philippi. Now, why does it matter that they went to the port of Troas? Well, it was there that Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia saying, please come. I beg you to come. And Paul's vision at Troas led them to Europe, to the city of Philippi. The Holy Spirit eventually on this same trip would end up landing him in places like Berea. Have you heard of Berea? It's mentioned, Paul mentions it in the letter. Thessalonica, we are the book of Thessalonians. Or how about Corinth and back through Ephesus. All those cities were hit on this trip all after all of these detours. 
the book of First and Second Corinthians, the verse of first book of uh, First and Second Thessalonians. That's a mouthful. The book of Ephesians. All those books are a result of all of these detours. Why? Because God turns detours into destinations. He turns detours into destinations. Get this, Paul had plans, right? He was gonna, he said, he wanted to go to, to Eastern Asia and he wanted to hit a few cities. Paul had planned on reaching a few cities, but God planned on reaching an entire continent. Paul's vision was limited. He wanted to go hit some cities, but it required that these men yield to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You see, the, the church at Philippi was the very first church in Europe. And it was the beginning of the gospel spreading throughout an entire new continent. And sometimes I feel like the Lord, where we go to the Lord and we say, God, I've got these plans. I need to go to this, these two places. I need to go over here and I need to do these few little things that feel big to me. And God says, oh, my plan's so much bigger than yours. It's so much bigger than yours. You've got a destination on a map, but I've got a continent I want you to reach. That was what happened in Paul's life. It required that he was willing to change course when God said change. You see, Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Paul had a plan in his heart, but the Lord directed his steps. And we all do the same. We all make plans for life's journey. I hope you have a plan for your life. Oh, but if you would allow the Lord to direct your steps. Our plans are even really good plans. Are we listening to what God is saying about those plans? Because when those detours come, I want to encourage you today, start looking for the destination that God has for you. Just because a detour came doesn't mean that the journey's over. Just because a detour came doesn't mean that you've done something terribly wrong. Just because a detour came doesn't mean you'll never get there. God has a divine destination in the middle of the detour in the same way that he did with Paul. Let's keep on reading in verse 13 because there's more and it's so good. It says on the Sabbath, so here they are in Philippi, the Roman colony, and they stayed there for several days. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her hearts to respond to Paul's message, which would be the message of the gospel, most likely. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invites, invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The second thing that I want you to see this morning in our scripture is this, is that God turns detours into divine appointments. God turns detours into divine appointments. And there were many on this journey, many on this detour. I already named Timothy, who was the co-author of Philippians. We have these two letters from Paul to Timothy in the New Testament, so the Bible is directly impacted by this connection. But there's a second divine, in, divine appointment in here that's really subtle that you really have to look for. Do you ever, you know, you read the Bible and you got to look again and again and again? But there's something, there's something really subtle that we see in the text that I want to show you that's really cool. 
Does anyone know who wrote the book of Acts, by the way? Anyone know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Any other, you know other books that he wrote? Luke, that was an easy one, right? <laughs> the Gospel of Luke, a very detailed story. Luke was a doctor, and he was very detail-oriented. And the, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, tells us a lot about the, the life and journeys of Jesus. And then the book of Acts, super important book. Well, here's what we see. Let's look at, go back to Acts 16, and let's look at verse 7 and 8. It says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by, etc., etc. There's a word I want you to see, and that word is they. Now let's go to verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, who got ready? We. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called who to preach? Us. Luke is now including himself in the story. See, he was telling a story about what had happened, and he was chronicling their, their journey, and they, and they, and they, and then all of a sudden we see we. You see, it was at the detour of Troas that Paul first met Luke. Luke became Paul's personal doctor, and he went along on the rest of this journey which is convenient, by the way, to have your own personal doctor travel with you, let alone, can you imagine, not just having keep Paul healthy and strong, but he was there to verify every miracle that we learn about. Every miracle that we learned about that Paul did, there was a doctor on the scene to verify that this had actually taken place. And, of course, the Gospel of Luke and writing the book of Acts. Without this detour, without this divine appointment at Troas, a place Paul never planned on going as far as we know, we would not have the most influential book on the formation of the church, the book of Acts. We wouldn't have the stories and the, the understanding of who the Holy Spirit is to the depth and what he does when he comes. We wouldn't know and God used this detour as a divine appointment. That's just two detours that we see. Timothy, Luke, and then we see the third divine appointment, which happens down by a river, not in a van down by the river, just down by the river. Rest in peace, Chris Farley. Um, he met Lydia, and he calls this place down by the river the place of prayer. What does this place of prayer tell us about Philippi? It tells us something very important. This is where you dig into the text and you see that when he says that they went to find a place of prayer that they heard was down by the river, it tells us something very important about the city of Philippi. Because you see, in any town where there were at least 10 God-believing men, they would start a synagogue in this culture. So if there were just 10 men who believed in the Lord, there would have been a synagogue. But in Philippi, there doesn't appear to be any synagogue. They just gathered at a place where they could pray down by the river. And it's important. Just 10 men. This is an entire continent. This is the most influential city in this region. And there's not 10 men who believe in the Lord. So the fact that prayer was happening near the city gate down at the river and there's no synagogue tells us this is an entirely unreached region of the world that Paul ends up in. And it was common in these circumstances to meet 
near water because in those times in the Jewish religion, believing in the Lord, there was ceremonial washing that had to take place before you went and prayed, before you sought the Lord. And so they would put these places of prayer near bodies of water so they could go, because they didn't have the holy water, so they had to go and they had to wash in the water and get clean and then go before the Lord. So this is a very common occurrence. When there was no synagogue, they would find a place near water. Paul, Silas, and Timothy at this point, and Luke, all four of them, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, they head down to this prayer spot because they want to seek the Lord before continuing a mission. Has anyone ever been on a mission trip before? Anyone? Anyone going on a mission trip? You know the best thing to do when you get somewhere on a mission trip? Pray. I remember when I was 21 years old, I went to central Mexico, a little town called Calera. It was in the region of Zacatecas. And it was, a, uh, it was the heart of Mexico. So there's a marker just right outside of town that says, this is the center of Mexico. There were, uh, you know how many English-speaking people there were in the town that I went to? Two. They also didn't speak Spanish. I don't know what they were doing there. Actually, no, that's not true. There was two other people that were, uh, could speak some English that spoke Spanish. So we go there, and my youth pastor said, I said, I want to do a mission trip that's a bigger trip. And he said, my friend's parents are retired, and they moved down to central Mexico as YWAM missionaries, and they're, they're doing stuff there. So I said, great. Have you ever been on a, anyone been on a YWAM trip before? Isn't it great? They have everything planned out for you. You show up, and they say, we're going here, here. So I get there. I meet them. It's so great. Actually, first, I got, this is, I was, this is different days, okay? I got picked up. I flew into Mexico City. A lady from their church's brother who lived in Mexico City, a guy I don't know, picks me up at the airport, takes me to a diner. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to drink the water. There's an earthquake. And then I got on a bus and went eight hours down to this little town. I get to the town. I meet these people. They sit me down at the table. And I said, what's the plan? And they go, I don't know. What's the plan? I said, no, 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 wait. I'm here for like three weeks. What's the plan? Let's pray. Okay, so we prayed. That's the first thing you should do when you get to the mission field, by the way. Pray. When you go to an unreached region, you pray. So we prayed, and what ended up happening is that me, a 21-year-old who had a lot of Spanish-speaking experience at the time, I haven't practiced, so I've kind of lost it, but it was good then. I ended up meeting with every pastor. I looked like I was 15 at the time. I had no facial hair. I worked at Safeway. And so I looked like this little kid and I start meeting with pastors and I start talking to them about the unity of the church. That was what we felt like God wanted us to do, unify churches. Because it was all a competition. These were all very small churches and if someone stole someone else's church member, that could be the end of the church. And so I started meeting with pastors and said, can we do something together? And somehow convinced these pastors to allow me to take every teenager from all their churches and to bring them together and to form a group that would do outreach together. And then we went and we ministered to churches. We got these pastors to allow their teenagers from their church to go do kids ministry at another church plant. And when I say church plant, I mean it had walls this high that were brick around it, and that's it. It was a church plant in the middle of nothing. But what I'm saying is all of this came out of sitting at a table in their kitchen and just praying. 
because that's what you do when you get to a region that isn't reached and you're on a mission trip. Paul's on a mission trip and he gets there and the first thing he wants to do is, guys, we've just got to go pray. And they get to the place of prayer and there's some women that had gathered there. And Paul, of course, says, excuse me, we need to have a prayer meeting. If you guys could just give us some space, that would be great because we need to pray right now. We are on a trip. It is the Lord's work. So could you please allow us some room to pray? No, he didn't say that. That's not what he said. No, no, actually he said, we're going to pray. You're welcome to join us. This is what we're doing here. We came to this place to pray. No, he didn't do that either. That was what he was supposed to be doing. Instead, he started a conversation. Okay? I wonder what if Paul would have been determined not to be distracted from the purpose which was to spend time in prayer. I can relate. I've been in these situations. You maybe have too. And you're going somewhere for a reason and you're getting interrupted and you're like, you know what? I am going to get this thing done. If everybody would stop interrupting me, what if the interruption was the divine appointment? I wonder. I don't, I, I, I try to push through and, and forget the interruptions, push them aside. But if Paul would have just tried to stay on task and have his prayer meeting, he would have missed Lydia, a highly successful, probably very influential businesswoman who became the very first convert to Christianity on the continent of Europe. And God used Lydia to begin the church at Philippi. And we see that she responded to the gospel, that she and her entire household were saved and baptized. And this became the command center for Paul's mission in that region. And if we get, as we'll look in a couple weeks, the end of chapter 16, it appears that they actually started the church right there in their home. You see, the mission is not about location, it's about souls. Our mission is not about location, it's about souls. It's about what God wants to do, who he wants to reach for the gospel. And in the detours of life, if we look, if we open our eyes, we will see the divine appointments that God has for us. And there may be people right now in your life, out in this world, maybe they're not in your life yet. But if you look, oh, God may have a divine appointment for you. And sometimes that divine appointment, by the way, is to bless you. And sometimes it's to reach them. As we have our mission teams this year, we have a team going to Mexico, we have a team going to Colombia to do some scouting this year. These are not destination vacations. It's about people God wants to reach. That's why they're going. They're not going to build a house because they're They're the good house builders. Some of them are good house builders, yes, but they're going to reach people. And the people that they encounter on the detour might actually be the destination. Happened for Paul. So what do we do? How do we contend in this detour? Too many people stop contending when a detour shows up in their life. Sometimes contending means you just invite God into the detour. In fact, that's the best thing to do. Sometimes there's detours and you got to push your way through and you got to work your way around. But sometimes if you would just stop and say, God, what are you doing? If you would look for what God is doing, even if it wasn't the plan you had in mind. Anybody a planner? Anybody else besides me a planner? Anyone dislike your plans getting changed? Oh God, on this detour, 
Would you show me where you are? Would you show me what you have in mind? Would you show me what you will do? Friends, not every detour is planned by God, but every detour can be used by God. Every single one. Not every detour is planned by God, but every detour can be used by God. You'll know the ones that are planned by God because it's just good stuff after good stuff after good stuff. But sometimes the detours show up, oh, it's not good stuff. Evil causes detours. Sin causes detours. The economy causes detours. Doesn't it? Things cause detours. Lots of things cause detours. God didn't cause those things. God doesn't cause evil. He doesn't cause sin. But if you invite him into that place, you'll discover that an ordinary detour can become a divine one. An ordinary detour can become a divine detour. Look at Joseph's life in the book of Genesis. This poor man, detour, detour, detour. Let me tell you about Joseph real quick. He gets sold into slavery by his own brothers, and you thought your brothers picked on you. He gets sold into slavery because they're jealous. Then he's falsely accused of sexual assault, and he's imprisoned. And he helps some people in prison, and they forget about him. They ignore him. And after all of those detours, he ends up, I'm not going to go through the whole story. We're out of time here. Ends up the highest position of power in the kingdom, and he saves thousands of lives from a terrible famine. He ends up in the highest position. There were serious detours along the way. And at the end of it all, you know what he said to his brothers? Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Some of you have had detours thrown at you. You've had detours thrown at you, detours you didn't want, and you are frustrated about it. Can I say, I get it. And I hurt for you because sometimes the detours, they just flat out stink. I hate them. You're angry about it. Some of you are confused. Why? But if you would stop and say, okay, God, what do you want to do in the midst of this detour? God, what do you want to do in the middle of my detour? If you do that, friends, you might just find the divine in the midst of it. You might just find God show up. And somewhere in that detour, he'll bring you to a destination that will absolutely change you. He'll bring you a divine appointment that will absolutely bless you. He'll bring you a divine appointment in which you're so hurting and you think you've got nothing, but he will use you to rescue someone else. God will be in the middle of our detours if we invite him into them. Will you stand with me this morning as we close? Would you just close your eyes where you're at? I'm going to invite our ministry team to come up. And I wonder what detour you're experiencing today. Some of you are on some detours. You're looking at some things in your life and you're like, this is not what I planned. This is not the way that I was seeing it going. This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not point A to B, it's point A to C to F to G to L. Where am I going to get to my destination? And this morning, I urge you, 
Say, God, I invite you into my detour. I invite you into my detour today. I invite you into this place, God, this path that's different than I saw. God, I invite you into it. God, I pray that you show me where the destinations are. I pray that you would show me where the divine appointments are. God, even on this detour, I refuse to stop contending. You see, on the detours, we so often, we just stop fighting. We stop contending. We give up. And I'm telling you this morning, you cannot give up on the detour. When the detour comes, that's when you contend more. That's when you fight harder and you say, God, I need you to come and meet me on this detour. Friends, if you are on a detour this morning and you are in a place and you're saying, this is not what I saw. This is not what I expected. I'm not sure about this one. Would you just come forward even now? We want to pray for you today. We want to pray for you and invite God into this detour. Invite God. Lord, we come before you today. Friends, just come forward for prayer. Come forward just to meet with the Lord by yourself and say, God, I'm on a detour and I need to see you in it. I need to see you in it, God. God, we come before you and we say, God, on these detours of life, God, we invite you into them. Lord, we say, God, you come, you have your way. Lord, you show us the destinations. You show us the divine appointments. God, we will not stop contending just because the path changed. God, we will not give up. When we look at the life of Paul, we look at this journey and we see all that you did miraculously time and time again. God, you wanna use our lives to reach thousands. You want to use our lives, Lord God, for your glory. And so, God, let us not get sidelined by the detour. Anybody who is right here in this place this morning, that they are on a detour in life and they've just pulled the car over and they're sitting on the side of the road. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would take that wheel and you'd put them back on the path and that you would show them where you're gonna take them, that you would show them your goodness in the middle of this situation, in the middle of this thing. God, we invite the divine into the detours of our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Worship team, will you lead us this morning as you guys come forward for prayer and allow God to work in you this morning on the detour.